another. Love is of God, and Lord, we're not to lust after these, these things. Bless us as we thought, think on these, and let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh, if these things be in us, through asking your forgiveness and confessing our sin. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> hmm. So lust is to be dethroned. God's demands are not to be underestimated. There's, three, there's two points there I've got, but I, I failed to give at least the third one. It's in the, it's the second one, the middle one. But the first one is, is in the outline in the bulletin. God's demands are not to be underestimated. I've just been starting finished numbers of reading through Leviticus. And you, when you get to reading it, uh, sin offering, a trespass offering, uh, and the different offerings that are given, and it goes over them again, and it goes over them again, uh, and, and again. And you look at them and, and you're reading through it, and you say, what's all this about? <laughs> it's about God's holiness. It's about very strict order for those in the Old Testament to follow in the sacrifices. You know, you're allowed to eat a certain amount of the certain part of the fat on the cow or the or the sheep, and um, you're not allowed to eat the other part of the fat that's on the liver and this and that and the, in, the in, inside. And it's it, 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 you read through it and God lays it down. That and you, what is it about? It's about God desiring that. That's what He He knows and will may understand if we don't down here what this is about in in that strictness. Now. We don't do things to become Christians, do we? It's not by works of righteousness to become a Christian, but we do do the right things because we are Christians. And God's demands are not to be underestimated. Let's, let's think, can you think of something in the Old Testament where you say, whoa, you know, that was a bit harsh? <laughs> when something happened to somebody because of their lack of understanding God's holiness or they're underestimating what God demanded. User, U double Z A, I think his name is. I had him. I thought of him straight away. He, the ark was on a cart that was being pulled by the oxen, and it was rocking around over a few bumps. They hadn't graded the road, <laughs> never did. But he, he went up to put his hand to stop it falling off, and we probably all would have done it. This is the ark, and he died on the spot. And you say, wow. And David was really upset. He was, he was dancing and praising God on the way with music as they moved the ark. And then this happened. And he was very disappointed. Everything came to a complete halt. And later we find out that he read that it's supposed to be carried on the shoulders of the priest. There was a certain method of carrying that, thing, that ark. Not like that. And so... He, he did it again and he rejoiced and he got the ark to where it was going <laughs> into his destiny. God, God's demands are not to be underestimated. The, the, the unsaved people don't know a thing about the demands of God. They do as they please most times. Now, <clears throat> Aaron's sons, Aaron's two sons that have been trained up, they had made all the garments, they had been dedicated, the sacrifices given, they'd been anointed into the priestly office with Aaron, their dad. And what did they do? Got fire from where they shouldn't have got fire from. 
and they died. We go into the New Testament. God's demands are not to be underestimated. There's two people that are mentioned in the book of Acts, Ananias and Sapphira. God's demands are not to be underestimated. They lied to the apostles, they lied to the Holy Spirit, or tried to lie to the Holy Spirit, and they were smitten dead. They had agreed to do it too. That's the, the, that was a premeditated lying, <laughs> and they were smitten. So let's be careful. You see, we, have, we live in a liberal day when anything goes in churches. But wait a minute. <laughs> what, what does God think? Is he pleased with our walk? And here he lists some things in verse 3. No immorality in our walk, but fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become the saints. Can you think of a church that had a problem with this? <laughs> there was immorality, fornication. The Corinthian church. They had real problems there. No, they were, well, it's no, no real problem. You see, they've been saved most of these people we're talking to and about in these cities that these churches were in uh, were pretty bad. Immorality, fornication. We think it's bad today. It was bad then too. And, um, and they tied with religion prostitutes in the, what we'd say, churches or places of worship of that day, in, in idolatrous worship. And they had this as part of it and it was bad. And so when you got saved, total difference. Had a total different outlook and they were to learn that. And we yeah, do take time. It does take time for us to grow in the Lord and to learn this. Not to be once named, it says. Not, not even named. In other words, such sins are unthinkable for a child of God. As, it, as the Lord Jesus said, if a man looks on a woman to lust after her in his heart, he's committed adultery. And uh, this is a high ask, but that's what God wants. Um, I've written down here, men don't look, ladies don't dress, to make them want to look. That goes for both, doesn't it? Romans chapter 1, where Paul gets into sinners, uh, sinners and he deals with uh, sodomy and other things there. He, he, Paul there linked uncleanliness with dishonouring the body through carnal sin. In Paul's day, as in our sexual promiscuity, was taken for granted. Everybody indulged in it. It was an acceptable lifestyle then, and it's becoming that way today, isn't it? It, it didn't used to be in our society. It wasn't acceptable. Many of Paul's heathen converts had been brought up in a permissive atmosphere, as we've just said. It was common for a man to keep a mistress, frequent houses of ill repute, gratify his lust in casual liaisons, or accept a partner without bothering with the formality of marriage. And these practices were considered normal. And it, it's, get, it's getting that way. I heard on the news today, I think it was, there was a woman there, she said, marriage is idiotic. She'd been married and divorced. And the commentators were picking on her, going at her, because, and they had right to do so. You mean everyone's an idiot because we're all married, well, you know, all of us who are married are idiots. That's what they said to her. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Well, what do you mean? <laughs> the idea of marriage is idiotic. Hey, where did marriage come from? God gave it. <coughs> and uh, 
in Paul's day, in our day, and it's going that way, and you think, where, where is it going to end? Uh, they just had a big thing to, so they could have same-sex marriage, didn't they? <laughs> big vote. And here's one of, one of these people that are unsaved saying it's idiotic. Well, why did they do it anyway? Why did they go and do the vote? You know, you could start saying, just live together as they do. <coughs> the Holy Spirit says that such behaviour must not even be mentioned in Christian circles. They are the antithesis of genuine Christianity. And then he talks of covetousness in that verse, verse 3. Covetousness itself, the root sin from which sexual sins are often the fruit, must be banished from our accepted moral code. That is covetousness. And so our society may be tolerant of these sins. Governments may pass laws legitimising, you know, legalising behaviour that a generation ago would have put people in prison, in jail, with a jail sentence. The Holy Spirit, however, will not tolerate such immorality. The conduct of a Christian is controlled not by the society in which we live, not by the vote of the people, but by the Holy Spirit through the word of God ministering through us to an unsaved world, that we may set an example. So no immorality in our walk. In um, Jim Berg's study, one of his studies, he went through the list of the sins of the flesh just over in Galatians, or back in Galatians, one book back, and chapter 5, and some of the sins are mentioned in our portion where we're at tonight. A more complete list is in Galatians 5. And uh, start with it starts with verse... <coughs> Where were we? Middle of 19, verse 19 of chapter 5. Adultery. Sexual intercourse between individuals married to someone else. And he just gives a brief explanation of each. Fornication, general term for all immoral behaviour. Uncleanliness that is listed there. Lewdness, dirty-mindedness. Lasciviousness, blatant contempt for public decency. Shameless sensuality lasciviousness, idolatry, obsession with and dependence upon anything other than God. It doesn't mean having a little Buddha or having a little elephant or having a little you know, stick carved out. It means anything that we depend upon other than to make God the centre of our life. And that includes money too, doesn't it? Some people have got money as their God. And you can tell when it when money is taken from them or something happens to their money, they really get upset because that's their God. They worship it. Witchcraft, sorcery, use of magical powers, use of mediums and occult practices, and that's come right into the church. You know, <clears throat> when they say, when they want to do the, when they want to be the one that does miracles. <laughs> They want to have the power to do this and the power to slay people in the spirit, they say, and all these other, this other nonsense that they get on. It's, it's down to demon possession and working, working lives. And that's in Christian circles everywhere now, and it's a dangerous thing. You're flirting with Satan and his demons. Hatred, hostility, hostile attitude toward others, variance. Contentious spirit, hostile actions, emulations, another one. Spirit of envy, emulation, wrath, explosive anger, 
outbursts, strife, rivalries among you know, rivalries coming from a devotion to one's oneself, strife, devoted to oneself. Seditions, feuding, divisive spirit within the group. Heresies, disunity created by a stubborn opinion. I wrote that down next to the, the heresy where heresy, the word heresy is used in, um, in Titus, the last chapter of Titus. Disunity created by a stubborn opinion. And a her- heretic not, is not necessarily unsaved. A heretic is one who has a opinion, an opinion that is against truth and they've not submitted themselves to it. Um, Envings, embittered resentment often manifesting itself in hostility, spiteful deeds, murders, taking someone's life unlawfully. And the the Lord said, you know, you're not even allowed to say, I hate my brother, because that's as it were murder. Drunkenness, intoxication, revelings, sensual parties, and so all these things are listed here that the Christian is to dethrone. Lust is to be dethroned. And God's demands are not to be underestimated. What? No, ye not. Ye are not your own. You're brought with a price. The price of Christ's sacrifice. Um, <clears throat> verse 4, we're back in Ephesians. Got a chill to it tonight, hasn't it? I'm even feeling it. And I'm preaching. How are you doing down there? Cold. Cold. <laughs> Righty, eh? The heater's on, isn't it? Not this one. Oh, the heater's on, yeah. Curtains are moving. Heater's on. <laughs> That's all I tell. Might have it help a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> No impurity in our talk, verse 4, neither filthiness. Oh, no, sorry, last part of verse 3. Let it not be once named among you as become the saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient. Just as offensive to the Holy Spirit and destructive to our spiritual life as immorality in our walk is impurity in our talk. The Holy Spirit washes our mouth or (laughs) might desire to wash our mouth with Spiritual soap, as we could say. <laughs> filthiness, neither filthiness, comes from a word which signifies something shameful or obscene. Christians shouldn't tell dirty jokes. Christians, when they hear a joke being said by an unsafe person, need to be ready to move away. And we shouldn't talk about things that make other people blush. In our day, open talk about intimate matters is becoming acceptable, isn't it? And it's not right. In unsafe circles, they do. Nothing is sacred. The language of the gutter is freely used in books and broadcasts, on the news, in, in different things where they get public, the public's ear. They do it. Vulgar talk. Yep. And some are worse than, the, worse than others in, in the way they do it. And you think, you know, one day you're going to answer for that and you don't even know you're going to have to. Um, Things are hard to avoid as we live amongst the unsaved people. 
The tendency is for us Christians to lower our standard. Remember what I, I've said before, that the, uh, the church you know, should be up in its standard of godliness and holiness as the Lord would have us to be. But we all seem to be just going, the, the world goes down, say, we'd say we're 10 steps <laughs> here. The world goes down a step and the church goes down a step. The world goes down a step and the church goes down a step in their, in their standard. And I can, I can say back when the holiness movement was in full force, if they come into our churches today, if they were transported from then to here, they would say, what is this gathering? What's going on here? Are these people supposed to be Christians? You know, that, that because of their standard. But it's so just going down together. That's not what God wants. He wants us to set the example to society of godliness and, and all this stuff that's going on with the, the Royal Commission and that. The church is, the world is just looking, same as us, worse than us. Look what they're doing to these little ones. <clears throat> we need to stop talking bad, flippant talk that degenerates into a worse talk. After a serious meeting, we often let Satan snatch away the conviction that's come through foolish talking. Someone facing eternal issues that's been moved by the Lord might be stopped thinking so when they hear the talk of others after the service. Let's be careful about our flippant word words that we might use. The decision disappears from their hearts that they could have made. Uh, <clears throat> flippancy in conversation can, can become a habit with some people and it's almost impossible to have a serious conversation with them. They want to joke around all the time or they turn everything into a joke jesting is the next word there it's flip fil filthiness foolish talking jesting R ribbing each other ribaldry as one wrote it r-i-b-a-l-d-r-y i hadn't heard that word until i'd read it here this word is used in classical writings to describe cultured cultured insolence Although some people think it's clever to make cutting remarks, the Holy Spirit expresses his personal dislike to such ego-building hurtful words. That, that word, foolish talking back there, I didn't say this, but the original Greek word is, is rendered buffoonery. <laughs> buffoon. I've, I think I've heard somebody call someone a, a buffoon. Not a baboon. <laughs> buffoon. And in the lexicons, clowning, that'd be a more modern word, a flippant talk. So watch our talk, filthiness, foolish talking, and jesting. And jesting doesn't mean that we can have good, clean humour. It means to make light of sensuality, of immorality, and of the things that he's talking of here. Um, <clears throat> if we're going to talk about something, let's elevate our conversation to Christian things and to thinking about others and to talking about other people's needs. And so God demands, God's demands are not to be underestimated. He's got a high standard. As I say, read about the priest in the Old Testament. See God's standard. Uh, <clears throat> use our tongues to 
praise the Lord as we got up, if you move forward in Ephesians 5 you've got there um, be not drunk with wine in which is excess but be filled with the spirit speaking to yourselves if we're going to speak anything speak to yourselves in psalms hymns and spiritual songs and God's demands this is the one that's not in the outline as point two God's demands are to be understood Paul bluntly wrote that a person who is guilty of non-Christian practices cannot expect to share the kingdom of God as you've got it there for this ye know that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God (coughs) in fact these sort of practices that are consistent in a person's life prove that he's not a Christian he's not going to be in the kingdom of, of Christ or of God there It betrays who they really are, this sort of talk and behaviour. Unregenerate hearts they have. And Jesus told Nicodemus, except a man be born again and these things change, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Um, The cheap form of Christianity is in circulation today. It's not Christianity. It's a social club, really. Counterfeit. People make professions rather than entail or they make professions on no repentance no genuine conversion no regeneration by the spirit no dynamic new life in Christ is seen they can think they're Christians they can say they're Christians they can do everything but if there's no change and there's no fruit of the spirit and someone was telling me about that yesterday they said "But, but you don't display any fruits of the spirit and they went through them love joy peace long-suffering gentleness we're we're, if they're not in our life we're not saved that's and when someone was bold enough to say the person exactly that you're not displaying you in fact you're displaying the opposite to that and that means you're not going to go to the kingdom of christ and i think i think it not only refers to the the millennial kingdom but it refers to the eternal kingdom kingdom of God the bigger picture Uh, and so they're deceived into thinking they're Christians and the Holy Spirit's not in charge or control at all and it's business as usual nothing's changed you know under new management or you know a sign that people trying to get you into their business under new management or new owner or something like that When a person becomes a Christian, he's under new management. And I pray that we understand and know that we are too. These people, hell is awaiting for them. And so Paul is pretty pointed. You see, he could see problems within people within the church at Ephesus. That's why he wrote these things. He could say, I really wonder. And he's writing this to really stir them to the bottom, to the core of their being, are you really a Christian? What does it say in another verse, in another book? Examine yourself whether you be in the faith. Are you going to inherit the kingdom or not? Let no man deceive you. God's demands are not to be undermined. Let no man deceive you. So you've got the three points there. God's demands are not to be underestimated. They are to be understood 
and there thirdly not to be undermined verses 6 and 7 and recognise deception Paul challenged the notion that people can be saved and commit habitual sin 1 John 3 verse 4 to 10 needs to be read we won't sin if we're Christians that is we won't sin habitually we won't continue doing the same thing there will be a wonderful change in our life since we got saved <coughs> and it's not a meal exclusion from the coming kingdom it's exclusion from eternity eternal bless blessings in heaven itself as it reads there don't deceive let any man deceive you with these vain words it's okay you can continue as you were business as usual no don't be deceived For because of these things cometh the wrath of god and the children of disobedience and romans 1 the unsaved are going to suffer the wrath of god god's given them up it said in those verses three times i think in romans 1 that's talking about the unsaved but for the christian hebrews 12 don't be deceived thinking that if a if a preacher says it's okay to do that and okay to do this you can wife swipe you can do this and the other yeah no no god brings discipline chastisement hebrews 12 and so we are to recognize deception and verse 6 and verse 7 we are to repudiate deception no compromise for the christian be not ye therefore partakers with them um, <clears throat> the christian zone you know you've got zones when you uh, if you ever parked in one i pulled into one and ah there's only car park and when i pull in and read it i mean you've i've done it many times that's why it was empty it's a loading zone <laughs> the christian zone is sin free zone <laughs> no parking here you're out of there and so it should be keep keep it in mind zero tolerance <laughs> the the inspector might come past and give you a ticket <laughs> the holy spirit will make you uncomfortable at least <coughs> we need to make a clean break from unregenerate days as first peter 4 4 says they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot you used to you don't do anymore what's wrong with you come party with us no i'm a christian can't do no go zone <laughs> no parking there not for the christian there's some thoughts for from that portion Verses 3 to 7. Um, prayer. <coughs> the Evans is in, Jap in Japan. Did you pray for them? There's all that flooding over there. It's on the west side, isn't it? Southwest more, by the sounds of it, from the news. And they're up higher in the north, but they've um, praising the Lord for victories and.